Hey guys, guess what? 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 <laughs> if you say chicken butt, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna say it's another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Hey. Hey. Cool. So I'm Sailor. And I'm going to curse a lot and possibly talk about inappropriate shit and freak out Ed. And I'm going to drink lots of whiskey. <laughs> and I'm sick. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, bummer. Well, should we tell our, our listeners what this podcast is about? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, hopefully someone is listening to us, like our moms or something. I don't know. <laughs> I hope my mom's not listening to this. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't hear the end of it. <laughs> Maybe my mom can listen to one of our typical episodes which this is not one of our typical episodes where we compare two albums from one artist against each other in a battle royale and see who reigns supreme what kind of episode is this sailor well you guys tonight even though i'm sick as fuck i am pumped it is part two of our metallica series um so if you've been listening on show number one of the metallica series we discussed kill em all and ride the lightning and the start of Metallica's career. If you have not listened to that episode yet, I demand that you pause this right now and go back to Metallica part one and listen. Okay, we're going to wait for you. Go. Okay, you're back. Cool. <laughs> so I explained on the last show that Metallica is the reason for this whole podcast. It was the band that introduced me to metal and my long-lasting love for thrash. And I think my dudes would agree Metallica holds a very special place in our hearts. So tonight we will continue the series and discuss the album Master of Puppets. Yes, completely agree. And something equally as important, possibly, is that we all are huge whiskey fans on this podcast. Yep, yep. And we love to talk about the whiskey as well as consume copious amounts of it. So each episode, one of us pairs a whiskey with the theme of the show, and tonight... I had that responsibility and pleasure, actually. Um, before we get into this discussion and your lovely whiskey pairing, uh, we probably should say hi to our better half, Matt and Ed. What's up, dudes? Hey, what how's it going on? I don't know. I don't know about better half, but well, other half anyway. Out, will other, other half, yeah. All right. Well, hey, well, before we get into that. Let's hear some uh, rock and metal news from the sailor. A couple of shows ago, I talked about um, how there was a guy from the same town that Cliff Burton grew up in who started a petition to um, have an official Cliff Burton day. And um, we promised we would update you. And I think, Matt, you posted on Instagram, right? And in our Facebook group? Correct, yes. I put it in our Facebook group, the uh, the official petition yeah. for Cliff Burton day. Yeah, so um, so that would be February 10th, and he would have been 56 years old. Um, I know I signed the petition. I think you guys did as well. Well, the motion passed, the proclamation was released, and um, it is now official that February 10th um, in his hometown is now a, an official holiday. So um, his dad was interviewed, asking them how they felt about it, and he said he was so thrilled and so honored, and he said Cliff would have absolutely loved it. 
And I highly recommend you guys visiting um, the Metal Head Zone website. If you read the article, there's an amazing photo of Cliff's dad replicating one of Cliff's famous photos. As a matter of fact, I will post it on our Instagram and our Facebook group. Nice. It's it, it'll melt your heart. It's absolutely adorable. So from now on, February 10th, when that date rolls around, raise a glass to Mr. Cliff Burton. Yes. That's super cool. Cliff oh, yeah. Glass raised indeed. So in other news that's kind of happy sad, um, recently uh, the late Chris Cornell's appearance um, on the Johnny Cash Forever Words film, which was directed by Cash's son, John Carter Cash, hit the web. Well, a teaser of it. Um, did you guys know about this film that this was in production? No, did not. Did not. So, so I, I read it somewhere quite a while ago. So the film shows famous musicians putting the words of Johnny Cash's poems to music. And it's also going to feature an album called You Never Knew My Mind. Um, you can pre-order it on Amazon now. I think it's expected out officially in about a month, but it's supposed to be absolutely amazing. And I've watched some of the teasers and, oh, my God, of course, because of Cornell, it was a tearjerker, but it's super cool. So I'm really excited. Can't wait. To so we'll have to check that out. Um, and then in shitty news. So ACDC's biographer, um, what's his name? Murray Englehart says the band is going to continue to record and fucking Axel fucking Rose. Oh, I figured this was coming. Are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> he jumps in, apparently, um, on a few dates when uh, Brian Johnson was told by his doctors he could not perform anymore. He'd be completely mm. deaf, right? So it, I have heard pieces of it. It does not sound good at all. Why in the fuck are they all deaf? I mean, it's, it's possible that they're all just deaf. They could because be. Because I... They, he sounds like shit. I mean, he sounded like snarling garbage when he was younger, but somehow they made it work. Now he sounds like old snarling fat or, garbage. Yeah, or they all have dementia, or one well, or the other. Yeah. I shouldn't laugh at that, but yeah. No, but go ahead. Or they should have just stopped touring like 20 years ago. So he's going to, there's going to be a new album? He's yeah. going to tour with the band? How in the fuck? So, oh God, please God. Don't make me start another petition because I will. Fuck yeah, them. I mean, they could find somebody else not named Axl Rose, in my opinion, yeah, if they want to keep going. Yeah. <sighs> Time for I need to take deep breaths. And that is <laughs> Breathe. For the week. Jacob. Well, anyways, so on this episode, uh, this whiskey segment, I really wanted to choose something, uh, something special to commemorate what this Puppets album means to me as I'm sure it does so many others. Uh, this album is, in my in my opinion, this is one of their most complex albums. It's a blend of three different styles, in my opinion, of thrash, heavy metal, with just a touch of instrumental. And in the same way, the whiskey that I chose was the Four Roses limited edition small batch from two years ago, which is also a blend of three recipes. The OESO, OBSV, and OESK. Um, this bottle was actually released in September of 2016, which was 30 years after the passing of Cliff Burton, which has you know, left such a stamp on this album. 
um, you know, for fans, because this is kind of a bittersweet situation where we look at what most, I think most Metallica fans probably see as their best album, but it's bittersweet because of the, the passing of Cliff. So whereas these small batch releases from Four Roses are, in my opinion, the best bourbon releases each year, this Puppets album is, in my opinion, the best album that Metallica ever did. So cheers to you guys. Cheers to Metallica. Cheers. As cheers. we talked about earlier, cheers to Cliff and his uh the Cliff Day. Hell yeah. And to his pops. His pops is awesome. Yeah, super yeah. cool. I've heard him in a few yeah. different interviews and great guy. Yeah. Great yeah. guy. Well let's uh what are you guys drinking? I'm drinking wild turkey rare breed because I've just been reunited with my bourbon again after a long separation. Came home to my bottles and oh my god. But um I tell you what. When you're sick and you've had a Ricola in your mouth, and then you take a sip of Rare Breed, fuck you up for a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the yummiest thing that's ever happened in my mouth, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> Those Ricolas, it's like the honey pairs well with a few different things, but that like big yeah. bursting, whatever the backdrop is. Lemony, like herbal. Yeah. yeah. It was horrible. It, mm, it was. That does not go well with bourbon. No. But Rare Breed, and I, I think I might have said this before on the show, this is my um, deserted island bourbon. This is my house bourbon. I love it. So it's very so thick. yummy. And it's very helpful when you're sick. So I expect to be healed tomorrow morning because I'm definitely going to kill this bottle. <laughs> and what are you drinking? We'll keep this in the family, in the Russell family, that is. I got myself... Uh... The little brother over here, Wild Turkey 101. The little brother. Which is very tasty. <laughs> a slightly lower, lower proofed expression that I enjoy. Matt, I'm well, probably drinking scotch or something. Well, very good, Jake. <laughs> at the time of this recording, we are one day removed from International Scotch Day, so I am drinking scotch. Oh, that's right. Yes. Uh, so I'm drinking Tullabardine, uh, Sauterne Finish, Single Malt. Uh, and it is Nectar of the Gods. <laughs> Delicious. All right. Well, that, as I swallow whiskey that just went down my throat, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> let's, uh, let's hear the timeline. Okay. So we're picking up where we left off last week. Um, so after the band has played the Monsters of Rock Festival, alongside Bon Jovi and Rat in front of 70,000 fans, which was a lot of fucking fans at the time. Metallica was motivated to make an album that would impress critics and fans, and they began writing their new material in mid-1985. So James Hetfield, lead singer, rhythm guitarist, and drummer Lars Ulrich, fuck you Lars, were the main songwriters on the album, and it was already titled Master Puppets. So in March... Third of 1986, Master of Puppets was released as Metallica's third album. This album was recorded again in Sweet Silence Studios with, uh, not Professor, but Producer. You could call him Professor. <laughs> Fleming Rasmussen. That sounds like so, so I am so... That's a very Professor-like yeah. oh, name. Oh, Professor though, Rasmussen. <laughs> right. Was that yeah. Lars's dad yeah. that just said that? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, shit. Another celebrity yeah. guest. Too. <laughs> so this is their first release on a major label, which was Electra Records. This album peaked at number 29 on the Billboard 200 and became the first thrash metal album to be certified platinum. So when this album was released, it was it got big time critical acclaim, even outside of the metal community. The lyrical content and virtuosic music gained praise for the band and the album. And right here, I want to use a phrase that I found from several sources. A quote, critics credit Metallica for consolidating the American thrash metal scene with its atmospheric and meticulously performed songs, end quote. This album is so significant that it was deemed culturally and historically or aesthetically significant enough for preservation in the National Recording Registry by the United States Library of Congress in 2015. It's the first metal recording to do so. Sadly, there is a dark side to this album. During the promotional tour in Sweden, Cliff Burton was killed in a bus accident. After Cliff's death, the band returned home to the States and mourned, took some time, and then began to audition new bassists. So that's where we're at with the Master of Puppets timeline. So I wanted to, so I, I listened back to the recording of the first show that we did, and um, I think we talked about this on the first show too, that we've attempted to record this before. And um, it, it was a disaster because we were brand new at this. But I had pieces of my notes still. And I went through and I read my notes. And I keep mine digital. Jake, Jake's holding up hands, like chicken scratch. I still, I still have my handwritten notes <laughs> from November of last year. Yeah. So I, um, I approached last week's show with trying to not have a lot of emotion in it. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. Have the emotion like dominate the discussion. But Metallica is very emotional for me because it's what got me into metal and thrash. And so I've been spending a lot of time watching videos. And because of the time period we're in, I've been only watching interviews and videos of them from the 80s. And now they look so young. They're so adorable. They're babies, you know, at the time. It didn't seem like that to me, but they are now. And um, listening, I've been, I listened to Master Puppets on repeat, like, I don't know, for the past four or five days, just nonstop. And just, you know, and I did that, of course, when the album came out. I remember doing that. I mean, back then we all used to do that. And I picked it apart again. And I started writing notes about it that were very technical and writing about, you know, what I thought of the album from a technical standpoint, from a musical standpoint. But the oh, the overarching theme I kept coming back to was what that album meant, I think, for them as a band and what I think it meant for the kids, us kids then, when this came out. You know, that it was absolutely such a game changer in the metal world it was such um it was such a pivotal moment for the band because they proved they i think they really proved with this album that they had talent i think they really pulled it together i think cliff's influence and his teaching and all the lessons they had been getting and them coming together with kirk i think it, it was just it was just a, an amazing amalgamation of personal growth and professional growth for all of them as musicians separately and 
um, the band as well. And really when you get that synergy, and I think, you know, we, we've talked about other bands that off the bat, they're just, they have some type of amazing chemistry and synergy and they come out the bat with an incredible album that's polished and amazing. And, and I do think, um, both albums before this, uh, Ride the Lightning, Kill Em All are amazing albums, but this I think is them really coming together as one unit. It, it feels like to me. So um, I have a lot of emotion connected to this album because of the time that it came out. I had a difficult childhood and music like this saved my life probably. Um, but it also, I, I, as I listened back to it, I started having those same feelings I had, you know, as a young teenage girl listening to this stuff. So, so I, I think it's, it's hard for me to have this discussion without emotions involved. And also I hate them now. I hate them all so much, <laughs> but I didn't then. And the reason I hate them so much is because I fucking <clears throat> loved them so much. Yep. You know, like when you were a kid and your mom, you would tell yep. your mom, someone hated you. Well, that's cause they really liked you. You know, um, I wouldn't hate them this much uh, if I didn't love them. And I, so I'm trying to stay, it hasn't happened yet that I started hating them. And so I'm trying to stay, I'm trying to stay in that place where I'm still just really in love with all of them. It was the, it was the pinnacle of your love for them. Yes, that is absolutely yeah. correct. Yeah, it was, it yes. was the top mm -hmm. of the mountain. Yeah, the love affair was going strong. I was in it for, for life. I thought we were going to ride off in the sunset together and they'd be making amazing thrash metal for the rest of their lives. So that that's kind of where I was at with this album. The honeymoon period, as they would say. I think, yes. I think the honeymoon period was Kill Em All and Ride the Lightning. I think this is I'm deeply in fucking love. You know, like, this Fair is enough. it for me. And I want to play music like these guys, and I want to write music like these guys, and I want to then we didn't have the internet and I would, I always was someone that read liner notes and I want to understand what James is writing about, you know, the war history and the, um, especially in this album, a lot of the mental illness and, and drug addiction and, you know, all that stuff. I wanted to understand all of it. I wanted to get inside his mind and there's, yeah, this, this was a deep, 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 deep love. Yeah, in that moment. Yeah, but, well, you know, I don't have um, the emotional connection to this um, album like you do because this, for the, me, this one came later um, after I really uh, got to know Metallica and got into Metallica. It wasn't till after, you know, I've, probably, I've said this before, and Justice for All was my introduction. And then it kind of went forward from there. And sometime in the in the nineties I went back and started, you know, listening to some of their older stuff. So I come to this more of a as looking at this album more as just a as a Metallica fan, you know, enjoying their older stuff, but I don't have that the connection, I guess, is the best word for it that you do. So um I, I look look at it more technically, I suppose, because of that. I would say, to your point, Ed, that uh, for me, similarly, I, I came along in, in 
ever heard from Metallica, which immediately made me love them. But really, the first album uh, that that I really listened to cover to cover was the Black Album. And so for me, I went back also and uh, and discovered Master of Puppets. And <clears throat> I think what I saw uh, and what really makes me feel like this is their best album, aside from <clears throat> excuse me, just the compilation of it, is that it is so complex. I feel like this is an album where they they created a genre of music with this album. I, I feel like if you're listening to Kill 'Em All, that was you know that original what people would think of as traditional thrash metal. Ride the Lightning, they kind of started tinkering with some uh, you know melodic rhythms and some other things that they were doing. But I feel like at this album, they showed extreme maturity Absolutely. that they didn't show in the first two albums. I feel like they, Sailor, to your point, you know, that they finally have been together for a couple of albums. So they're getting the feel of each other. I feel like they've become better musicians. The, you know, Rasmussen has already done an album with them. Mm -hmm. So he probably understands them a little better, can mm -hmm. produce the album better. And it, the songs themselves yeah. are just incredible. Yeah. From, I mean, and, and the way, and I'll talk about this a little, a little bit later, cause there's a, a, a cool like concept idea for, for the layout of the album that I want to bring up later before we end. But even the way that the album is laid out, I feel like it starts off real thrashy, but it kind of bounces back and forth as opposed to maybe like being top heavy with, thrash beats and then breaking it down later in the album they really even within songs just keep mixing it up you know we've we've talked to uh in our slayer episode that ed and i one of the things that we didn't like about slayer was that it was just such a constant endless thrash beat the whole time and it just got really monotonous to us and i think one of the greatest things about metallica is that they mix it up. I mean, yeah, just within definitely. the song, within the album, you're never getting, you don't ever feel like you're listening to the same song twice. Yeah. Now, are there yeah. songs that sound similar to other songs? Sure. But I think that's in the production, in, in the way that, that these guys, uh, their intelligence for music exceeds others, is that they, I feel like they know what a great song, what a great album should sound yeah. like. And, and this album right here the four of them together yeah. you know the two of them kind of did the gist of the legwork going into the studio but the four of them together really knocked it out of the park with and this you know album. what else is amazing is they came to rasmussen with fully formed demos and he said that they only changed slight things <clears throat> so that was that was them so Kirk had been um, working with Joe Satriani and Lars had been taking drum yeah. lessons. So they were yeah. very aware, you know, that they needed to hone their skills. And I give them a lot of credit for that at that age. And they were already successful, you know. I mean, they could have just sat on their asses and been like, we're cool, you know, we're already doing well. And, and to your point about the songs, yeah, I think the magic of any band is our songs have to sound different from each other, but it still has to sound like us. It still has to have that overarching theme. And the Master of Puppets totally gives you that. Totally. 
there there's they can bring in a, a bit of softness they can bring in a lot of melodic um there's a lot of melody in there but it's still thrash it's still heavy it's still a wall of sound it's still a symphony of metal you know and it, it was so brilliantly done and to your point, what you just said, Sailor, it's like a lot of albums where, especially metal albums, where it will start off kicking my ass and it will kind of lull me to sleep a little bit in the middle. Even with the s- kind of slower songs, like Thing That Shouldn't That Be, Welcome Home Sanitarium, they keep me involved. Mm-hmm. You know, they keep it heavy enough where I'm not kind of dozing off. I, like, I want to hear more. And then obviously, you know, with what, us old timers would call the B side yeah. of the album. <laughs> um, they just take it home completely. And going back to your earlier point, making it sort of like a personal, um, you know, like really deep rooted feelings about this album is, as I said uh, in the last episode, like Ride the Lightning was my first Metallica album, but Master of Puppets is the album that I listened to a thousand times a thousand times over and over again from beginning to end and i didn't really know kind of what the songs meant on a personal level uh i come from a family of veterans both of my brothers are veterans my brother served in the army other brother was in the navy father was a (laughs) vietnam vet grandfather was in world war ii so it runs through the blood and after my brother's first tour in iraq he came back and he had disposable heroes tattooed across his chest here and then going back and listening to the album and really That's listening awesome. and I'm really listening to the lyrics of that song in particular and what the song was about and how him and the guys that he was with over there made it a mantra um it just really hit home and i started listening to the album that song in particular but the whole album just with another sort of level of consciousness it was it was almost like an outer body experience, not to you know be over dramatic, but it was it was amazing. I took a different um, approach to listening to this again for this episode, uh, and I kind of because I've heard the album so many times, I can only take so many technical notes about it. But I just wrote adjectives. I just wrote. I filled two or three pages of just words that came to mind listening to this album from beginning to end, and the three that stuck out to me, in particular, um, Pinnacle, Paramount, Apex. This was the apex of their career. This was the apex of metal music in the mid eighties. It was the, the top of the mountain. Um, and I think that it can't be duplicated. Um, there is no other album that they've made that they've made like it technically lyrically. Uh, it is their best and it deserves to be, as you mentioned in the news, it deserves to be, put in the what a library of congress yep. yeah whatever they did to it, yep. it it's it, it is just a it's a masterpiece that's yeah. the only thing that i can say about it i think too i mean i, I think this album stands up today i think metal fans Absolutely. of today yeah i think yeah. a lot of albums that you listen to you know a lot of times you'll get guitar solos or drum beats that really date an album to a time period but I think that uh, I feel like this album, if if I were just getting into metal today, I I would love this album. Oh, this, I think it's oh, I yeah. think it's fantastic. This is an example. This is such a perfect example of thrash. I I mean I always you know with in thrash there's so many different types of thrash of course, but I think 
this is a very sophisticated thrash album, I guess would be the best word I could use because there's still thrash here. Um, I think, I think the sophistication I think is what's surprising the sophistication in the lyrics alone. I mean, Hetfield was quite an, he he was an intellectual clearly um, when most other bands were singing about partying and drugs and, getting laid and whatever the fuck, I don't know, like fantasy bullshit. You know, he was actually singing about things that were, you know, uh, of the moment, you know, social and social um, strife and and things like that. And things that were near and dear to him, like religion and stuff like that, too, that he dealt with with his parents and stuff. But then you also, I also feel like you hear Cliff all over this album, to me. You hear the bass you hear his influence on the guitarist from a bassist standpoint all over this album. I, I think he, I think, and again, who knows behind the scenes, either he felt really comfortable to really write with them and insert himself into that, or, you know, they seem to be very uh, in awe of him from the beginning and open to his, his influence. And that all, like we said before, it all came together, but, I think that is one of the things that I pick out the most about this album is I I think uh, Cliff deserves a lot of credit for I hear his influence everywhere on this album. Everywhere, certainly. And I think that is what also makes this album so amazing because that was not... If you take this album against, you know, the albums, let's say all the other thrash albums or, or heavy metal albums, whatever you want to call it, you know, two a year, two years before, a year, two years after. You, do, it's very. There was a lot of tinniness. It was maybe a little bit over. You know, treble distortion and yeah. his influence. I think is what made their sound what it was as well. Um, and we'll get into you know what happened in the next album, but um, I, I certainly note that especially going from their first album to this album. I think it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge difference and, uh, and, uh, and an amazing improvement. I think an amazing, it made an amazing sound for them. Yeah. And you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but it makes you wonder like if, you know, if he doesn't pass away, is this their pinnacle album? Is the next one, does the next one top this, you know, it's, I think it. It's I an interesting it, debate. Yeah. yeah. I, I think Matt, to, to that point, and you know, I've heard a, a lot of different people and in, in, in different interviews discuss that point. You know, some I think some of the traditionalists will say, "Oh, well, you know, if Cliff wouldn't have died, they would have stayed a thrash band, or this or that." But I think that you see the progression. That I think that injustice for all still happens. I think that yeah. it just has I mean we'll we can get into it in that episode but I think that the bass is going to sound a lot different <laughs> on that episode or on that on that album that is and uh but I but I think that in that album they continued to mature with the education that Cliff was imparting on them. Yeah. And I think that's that's mm-hmm. why you know you got to you got to love James and Lars for this that I think they had the foresight as young men to to really appreciate a great musician when they saw it and and then when they dropped you know what's his nuts as the bass player to really recruit Cliff because they admired his 
ability, but they also admired um, his uh, intelligence for music yeah. and the fact that the fact that Cliff didn't like the same music as them. I think mm-hmm. also is huge that they saw that they could grow, that that they were growing as musicians while while they were being around him, right. and so they were really just sponging. Uh, from Cliff, so I, I think they, the trajectory that they went on, that you see from from Kill 'Em All to Ride to here, you're. I, I think you would have continued to see that same progression. I just think that maybe certain things would have been different. Mm-hmm. And what's his nuts is Ron McGovney, yeah. by the way. <laughs> He's what's. <laughs> I, I totally agree with you, Jake. And I, I mean, and clearly, again, not to keep belaboring this point but cliff's influence of his classical background obviously in this album is ever present is it in damage inc where they have the box the the prelude what is it of box is it come sweet death i can't remember but hit that influence as well if i do i don't think this would have been their pinnacle album i i don't think so i think Injustice for All was going to happen regardless. Injustice for All happened because of what this album did. And Injustice for All could have been a whole different album if Cliff was still alive. Well, yeah, sure. because how much of that aggression and justice was from him dying? Oh, the pain. Save, they were, they were, save the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah we should. We should. But, but, <laughs> hey, hey, yeah, but you guys not, are talking about it now. No, so. yeah, I know. We shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. We shouldn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. But what I think is incredible, too, about this album is the reception that it got. And I think that might be very difficult for younger folks to understand that. So I'm I'm there at the time. OK, I'm there when this album comes out. I bought it from the store, waited it, waited for it to be released. There were only certain kids that listened to Metallica. So nowadays, everybody listens to Metallica. You know, it doesn't matter what. um I don't know what, what kind of person they are, you know, what their interests are, whatever. They're one of those bands, you know. That was not the case when this album came out. It wasn't even the case when Injustice for All came out. You were a metalhead or a stoner or a rock kid or a burnout or whatever the fuck they called you. Um, so it, you didn't have the other kids really listening to this. You didn't, your mom didn't really like it, whether she knew about it or not. She didn't really love the fact that you listened to Metallica if you were even allowed to listen to it. So imagine them being so um, seen as so subversive and in a way still very, very underground. And this album comes out to such critical acclaim. It was mind blowing for us. I mean, I remember the first time I heard a Metallica song on the radio, I almost shit my pants. It just didn't happen. I mean, they hadn't even they didn't even have a music video. And this is the fucking silver screen era of MTV. And they still in this album don't have a music video yet. I mean, it was this was um, unprecedented, really, when this album came out, the reception that it got and the buzz that it got. And of course, that set the stage for Injustice for All and the success and the budget they would get and, and the power that that album would yeah. hold as well. I would say set. I would say set the stage is 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 perfect to describe <laughs> this album because from a commercially successful standpoint, because this is kind of the last album that didn't achieve monstrous 
commercial success. And I'm talking about sales, not, you know, critical review, but you know, when you move on to, uh, injustice, that's their first, like they get, you know, the, they get the Grammy nomination and there's this, finally the, the mass public was recognizing, but I don't think that happens without the greatness of this album. Of course not. Of course not. You have to have Mm -hmm. this, this, this is them coming into their own. I think this is them going, okay, this is my skin and I like it and I'm going to wear it and I know how to wear it. So there's a, there's a writer that said a good quote, um, that this album ripped Metallica away from the underground and put them atop the metal mountain. That's interesting. It's a perfect way to say it. Yeah. Um, it's, And also another uh, music journalist said that he believes that Master Puppet stands as one of the most represented representative albums of its genre. And again, you know, I I will say this again and again and again. This was such a great example of what thrash metal was, what thrash metal was supposed to be in in my eyes, which sets the stage for my problem that I have <laughs> yeah. with Metallica well, in present to go, day. <laughs> to go back to what I said before, it was it's it's the apex of thrash metal yeah. is what it is. It's the it's the top of the mountain. That's what it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And, and yet and yet it's it's kind of the album that transitions them away from pure thrash metal. Yes. But Yes, that's what the album will do. It's true. And and again, if you... Be broad. So if you're a Metallica fan and if you're a fan of their early stuff, let's just listen to the track listing real quick. It's a powerhouse. Like, I I dare you to name one song that you're like, no, that's not amazing. So you've got... You start off with Battery. Quick. And as as soon as you do, as soon as you do something like that, like, oh, I don't like that song, you'll go listen to it and you'll be like, damn. Yeah. Nope. That's a great song. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you've got Battery, then you've got Master of Puppets, which I think Master of Puppets is one of their best songs they've ever written. The Thing That Should Not Be, Sanitarium, Disposable Heroes, <clears throat> Leper Messiah. To me, I, oh God, I love Leper Messiah. Um, Orion and Damage Inc. These, these, this is, ama- it's amazing. It's just there's not one song that I would say, eh, it's all right. No, they're all amazing. If you pull them apart, they stay, I think they all stand on their own regardless. And like you said, Jake, even today, I think all of these songs stand up. It's just a powerhouse album. Yeah. Since you did uh, the, uh, the track listing, um, I, I think I referenced it in the last podcast, but there's a awesome podcast, uh, Metal Up Your Podcast, mm-hmm. and it's a straight Metallica podcast. And um, one of the hosts on that show came up with uh, a concept album alternative to Master of Puppets, which I think is just absolutely brilliant. And I, I have to, I have to say it because it's it just blew my mind. And if you listen to it in this order, it, it really is. <laughs> incredibly intriguing but his uh his idea was that this album follows the life course of one specific character who starts off going off to war becomes disillusioned uh with disposable heroes 
comes back. He's angry from war. He's getting in fights. He gets charged with battery. <laughs> then from there, he comes out of prison and he can't get a job. So he gets involved in organized crime in a gang called Damage Incorporated. <laughs> from there, so good. His, his parents try to clean him up, try to get him involved in religion, but he becomes deterred with the leper messiah. So what does he do? He turns to drugs and the master of puppets. While he's on a crazy drug trip of Orion, a monster appears on this bad drug trip which is the thing that should not be. And he ends up in an, in an insane asylum of sanitarium. Awesome. I love it. That's so awesome. good. That's so brilliant. I love it. So thanks to Clint at Metal Up Your Podcast for that. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Good shout that's out. Brilliant. Hey, have you guys seen um, the documentary Clip Them All? Yes. No. I you must. You must get it. Yeah. But you know what? I think I've seen like bits and pieces out of it, I'm clips sure. out of it. You must, you, you have to get it. You have to watch it. I can remember yeah. being, um, I don't know, I was a late teenager and my friends and I used to get high and we would just watch it over and over and over. It's so, especially for the time, it's so well done. It's such a great mm-hmm. um, homage to him. There's so much hilarious shit. Like, them making fun of Cliff wearing his bell bottoms. Um, <laughs> yeah. That just cracks me. There's just so many things that are so so funny. And from a from a technical standpoint, though, like him just being a bass player and just doing his thing, the clips of him playing for whom the bell tolls from Day on oh, the Green in '85, oh. where the where the camera is literally there's one camera and it's right below him playing. Yeah. And he does the whole intro to bells and he plays the whole song. And it's just the fucking redheaded mop just going crazy. <laughs> and uh, I, I suggest you check it out, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. It's so amazing. I Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't watched it in, oh, who knows, probably like 20 or more years. And so I actually watched it again last week. And I got, I got choked up because it's so interesting when you're young and you lose, you know, influential people, heroes, whatever you want to call it that are, you know, just a little bit older than you, it hits you in a different way. And and now that I'm in my 40s and I look back and, oh, he's so young. And you it just kind of hit me from a whole different perspective. Like, damn it, he was just a kid. He was just a baby, yeah. you know, and it just, it just, it made me choked up. And then, but there's so many funny parts in it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Um, But so I just want to tell you guys a quick story before we wrap it up since I appear to be the only one that stood in line waiting to buy this album. And I did have to stand in line. Um, So I think I might have mentioned this on a previous show for all the young bucks out there. You used to have to get, you used to have to find out when albums were going to be released if you wanted to get them right away. And typically you did because you weren't, there wasn't like 8,000 freaking albums being released every minute of every day. Um, so I would get my information from either one of the metal magazines um, or I, there would always be like a, I don't know what you call it, like a 
sign chart thing in the record stores, like, you know, saying when albums would be released. And for example, like a band like Slayer and Ozzy, every time you saw the release date, you're like, it's not going to be released then. <laughs> Something will happen with the fucking artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, so the so Master Puppets was coming out. There was a lot of buildup in the press, in the metal press about this album. So I remember um, going to the mall. I was with two of my girlfriends that were also metal fans and um, we were all going to split it and then record it so we could have our own. <laughs> Sorry guys. And uh, we get to the mall and there's a line out the door of, I think it was record town or tape world or whatever the hell it was called at the time. They had to like change the name of the store every time new technology came out. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You can look it up. So I think it was called Tape World at the time. So we're standing. That was was Napster before Napster. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) You Lars. So um, (laughs) so we're waiting in line, and um, there's a this kid comes literally running past us, and he kind of does like the dumb run, and like his legs are too long for his body, and he like (laughs) goes turn the corner to run into the store and eat shit and we're all like <laughs> trying not to laugh and he's like totally like what is this kid doing and he's like running past all of us in the line so we're like what the fuck well it turns out he works there and they were running out of tapes of master of puppets because they did not expect this many people to be lined up waiting for the for all these kids to buy this fucking tape so because metalheads are awesome and maybe these were kinder days. They did, in fact, run out of tapes. So, you know, a lot of us are standing around upset, pissed off. What the hell? You know, our moms won't be back for another two hours. We brought our men. We were going to listen to it. And a um, bunch of these kids were like, hey, everybody, we got tapes. You can come to the food court and listen to it with us. You know, we'll let you listen to it. <laughs> we got tapes. <laughs> we got tapes. We got tapes. <laughs> um, so, and a so boombox. We, we went and, and we sat in the food court. We all listened together and shared headphones, which was not, they were not earbuds, kids. So it was a little awkward when you didn't know someone. And uh, exchanged phone numbers and addresses. And we did a little bit of ripping. Um, and then, uh, of course, I went back and, and finally got mine. But I remember that. So, um, because to me, like, I look back on it, it's like an 80s movie montage, you know, <laughs> the hero's like, come on, kids, we'll all listen to this tape together. <laughs> like a commute. Go to food court. <laughs> Jam it on my ghetto blaster. <laughs> it wasn't a ghetto blaster. We all had our tape decks. Remember your tape deck you would carry around? Oh, yeah. The little handle? Yep. So that's my story about being fucking old. <laughs> There you go, guys. Oh, 1986. You're so silly. <laughs> <laughs> well, any, any last thoughts, Ed? Well, yeah, I I like this album. I'm not in love with it album. Um, I can appreciate it for, for what it is um, technically and what it represents. But, yeah, my love for Metallica lies elsewhere even though i do like this album very much i think it's a great album but i'm just like i said i just not i'm not in love with it yeah i I, whereas i think this is metallica's best album it's still not my favorite metallica album 
So there, there is a, you know, there's a discernment there between the two. This fucking nuts. So, I, I, I do love this album. It's absolutely in my top three, but uh, I think it's their best. It's just not my favorite. I, I will say this is my favorite metal album. Period. The end. Ooh. Nothing else. Whoa. Um. I will say that seeing Metallica numerous times in concert, especially in their later years, more recently, obviously the Black Album shit gets the biggest cheers, the biggest sing-alongs. We'll talk about that later on another episode, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I will, I will say, and you know, kudos to the younger crowd for this because I've seen, you know, kids as young as you know ten whatever high school age the master puppet stuff gets the second biggest cheers so it doesn't get the radio play that the black album stuff does but the fact that they know it they can sing it um it just tells of this album staying power and it is my favorite album of all time any genre period the end yes that's me wow yeah boom i mean yep, not hard to believe it's an awesome album yeah <laughs> I would have to agree with yeah. Matt. If you said you can only have one metal album forever, oh. let me tell you. That's gonna happen. We're gonna have to have that as like a poll for a show. But I think I think it might be oh, Master Puppet. Truly, oh. the Deserted Island album with the Deserted Island whiskey. Yes, that's it. Rare breed I, and Master Puppets. Rare breed and Master Puppets, man. Yeah. I I could honestly say that my my uh, deserted island metal album would be a Metallica album, but I would have to really think about. I think I'd be torn between two different albums. Tune so, in next week for Jake's. Answer. Tune in. <laughs> I think I might might be uh, kind of in your camp, Jake. <laughs> well, we'll we'll find out. And this is why we have the show. <laughs> the differences. <laughs> oh, let's wrap this up. All yes. right. Yeah, I'm getting drunk. I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> we're, way, we're way past the All few right. breaks at this point. So, while we're on the subject of favorite things, are there any favorite podcasts? Or it doesn't even have to be your favorite. Just new things, podcasts, music, things you're doing, things you're into yeah. lately that you... Was it one of you guys that told me about Death Metal Dads? Matt. That would be me. Yep. Love it. I've been listening to it. I love it. I absolutely love <laughs> it. Love it, love it, love it. Um, so I've been listening to a lot of that. And I just started listening to... Hold on. I, I got to find it because I don't want to get it wrong. My dad wrote a porno. Have you heard <laughs> the podcast? No, but but what podcast are you talking about? Oh, my gosh. I've Have heard you? of that. It's, I mean, it's a huge <laughs> podcast. It's phenomenal. I mean, when I first heard the concept, I was like, what the fuck? Oh, it's a riot. I mean, there were times I had a very long drive recently and um, I was like, I had to turn it off because I'm like cry laughing and I can't see the road. So I was like, I'm going to have to revisit this later. It's amazing. <laughs> I highly recommend it. That's well, on, uh, on, the, on the theme of Metallica, um, I'm going to throw out another one of the Metallica podcasts that I do listen to and it's called Alpha Metallica and it is exactly how it sounds. They are going through the entire track, discography, every single song of Metallica, 
in alphabetical order. That's awesome, man. <laughs> they have had they've had Ray Burton on an episode. They've, uh, I mean, this show is it's great. It's is fantastic. That like, is it's that actually covers and everything too. Everything, every really? single song awesome. that Metallica has done, their entire library in alphabetical order. So each episode is a a different song, um, but it, it's a. Uh, a guy over in in Great Britain actually, and uh, he does a fantastic job. He's very comes very well informed, well studied to each episode, and uh, yeah, it's a good one. Check it out. Nice, I will. Sure, well, I, I know I've I've mentioned his podcast before, but I'll mention one particular episode that I really enjoyed. Um, it kind of links to metal music only because he's the lead singer of a metal band. Um, but if there are any pro wrestling slash metal fans out there i will say talk is jericho check that out uh with chris jericho as the host uh last episode he talked about um sort of a famous wrestling event that happened in montreal about 20 years ago uh so go check that out he has a story and dave Meltzer on uh wrestling historian um and if you're interested in jericho's music he's the lead singer of a metal band called fozzy check that out they're pretty good yeah, how about you, Ed? Uh, for me, well, I think you know you all know I'm I'm kind of a more of a technical person into nerd kind of my job, nerd. <laughs> but yeah. <Nerd. laughs> so I enjoy getting my daily fix of technology news, and there's a there's a podcast I've been listening to actually for quite a long time. Uh, I just had to bring it up because it's my one, the first thing I listen to every single morning, uh, Daily Tech News Show. Um, Tom Merritt, who is actually an, an Illinois native, runs it. And to me, this is like the level of professionalism and everything he brings to podcasting is what, kind of what I aspire to, um, actually. But yeah, Daily Tech News Show, it's a quick, you know, like a 30 to 40 minute show every day. And it goes over some of the big stories relating to, you know, um, podcasting, Google, uh, Microsoft, whatever. Anyone, anything in the uh, the uh, technology and internet kind of zeitgeist uh, they go over. And it's it's he has several different uh, co-hosts with him. And it's actually pretty, pretty funny, too, uh, to top it all off, but very informative. So. Uh, that's does he I drink enjoy. larceny too? <laughs> I do not know. I do not know. I, I love Zeitgeist, man. That word is awesome, dude. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that was on the toilet paper this morning, wasn't it? That goes with that goes with that goes with all a, right. That goes with all a right. Yeah, yeah, from yeah. the there episode. Cool. There we go. Me throwing out my big words there. All right. Well, thank thanks to all of our listeners, and um, we please please ask you just to join us for our next episode, or you'll never get to find out the conclusion <laughs> of this debate. Um, I will say to all of your listen uh, to all of our listeners who are still <laughs> listening, listening. Um, anybody who listens to you, anybody, or, anyone uh, who's listening whoever. right now, anybody yes. listening to anything. Listening. Yes. People with the ability to listen. Yes. Uh, <laughs> our fellow metal rock and whiskey obsessors, we value your opinions and your feedback, of course. Please 
right now, find us on Instagram at Metal Rock Whiskey. Send us your love, your likes, and please share your thoughts, reviews, questions, any suggestions you might have, concerns, comments about the show. Please feel free to do the same on our Facebook page. Uh, search Metal Rock and Whiskey and ask to, ask to join. I don't to want to hear this... suggestions. I don't, huh? I, don't want, I don't want their suggestions. I just want I just I just want them to love me. Can we just ask for that? Okay. So no suggestions, just love sailor. <laughs> and continue discussions. Uh, Apparently, just send suggestions to Matt's uh, yeah. DM. <laughs> uh, participate in polls that yours truly puts up on that Facebook page. Uh, don't add your own fucking... Like, don't add your own options, please. Okay? All right? Please just don't do that. All right. I'm just gonna Drive. put that out there yeah, now. For anyone who's listening. But just... hey, if you love me, I'll let you do it. Don't tell Matt. <laughs> yeah. I give the options. You pick one. That's it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you pick one. Matt if if you don't spoken. like the options, don't participate in the fucking poll. All right. <laughs> well, just give that was suggestions a... instead. Just yes. write. Yeah, but you can you can private message me and be like, "Yo, bro, I wish you put that album in there." Yes, <laughs> that's it. Just do it privately, all right? Uh, <laughs> uh, and sound off on the show, like if you think I'm a dick or not. Uh, find us on YouTube and please subscribe on iTunes. Uh, give us a review. Like I said, I will ask you kindly. Do not be a dick. Please just give us a just Don't please just give us a five star rating. Um, we appreciate it. We love it. We deserve it. I think, uh, you can also follow us all individually on Instagram, uh, as my followers go down by the second here, uh, yours, <laughs> I think you're gaining followers with that. <laughs> yours truly at the whiskey assessor. That is whiskey without the E, uh, Ed, where can they find you? They can find me at bourbon geek on Instagram, and if they like to uh, play the video games, they can find me on Xbox Live at Bourbon Geek And do you well. want suggestions, Ed, or no? We just... Suggestions for what? <laughs> <No> suggestions. <laughs> um, where to get sure. a good hot dog or yeah, pizza? Yeah, not or pizza. Or Fuck you, you're in Chicago. Yeah, Chicago style, no. bro. No. God, too many paces to choose <laughs> from around here. Jake? Oh, boy. <laughs> Why did we put the order wrong on our notes every single episode? Because it's, it makes me laugh. That's why. It gives me life. You know, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna say mine, and I'm gonna say my last little bit, and then I'm just gonna send it to you. No. And that's how it's gonna be. I'm gonna do it. We're gonna roll with this. It's happening. Roll with it. Go. So you can find me, Jake, at uh, bourbon.spartan on Instagram. And uh, if if at, at the time of listening to this episode, you've been looking for our Patreon stuff, my bad. It's been taking a little bit extra time getting it up and running, but it will be up and running by the time you're listening to this. Uh, so go check us out there. Um, help support us. Hope hope you like the podcast as much as we like doing it. And uh, there are costs associated with the podcast, and we hope that uh, you'll help us with those costs. But uh, my glass is empty, so... Let's hear where she can find Sailor now. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, 
Where are you, Sailor? I don't know. We're, I'm in a glass cage of emotion. <laughs> I am. Actually, I don't know where the fuck I am. I'm all over the country lately. But yeah. you can always find me on Instagram as Sailor Retro. And you can find me on Facebook as Sailor Retro. And you can listen to my goddamn podcast. Boom. That's it. That's all I have to say. Other than, fuck you, Lars. Mm. Tip your waitress, guys. We're out. Mm. Ciao. Bye, everyone. Hey listeners, you know that cool song we play at the beginning and end of our show? It's called Whiskey Always Wins, and it was written and performed by my dear friends of When Particles Collide. Please check them out on your favorite music streaming platforms and give them your support. Rock on, friends. It got big-time critical acclaim, even outside of the medical... Medical... What? <laughs> I need a drink <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a good one, folks. Keep going. Good for the body and soul. This album was released to critical acclaim even outside of the metal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, take. This is so good. This album was released to critical <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> Do we need to all go just audio for a second? <laughs> I'm dying over there. I can't. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. oh, shit. oh man. <laughs> it's the curse of Metallica. <laughs> There's your episode title right there, Curse of Metallica. <laughs> yeah. Remember. Okay. Okay, ready? Silence. Sadly, though, there's a dark side to this album. During the album's promotional tour in Sweden, Cliff Burton was killed in a bus accident. That, I had that fucked up. In a bus accident. <laughs> <laughs> he was killed during a bus it's a bucks. I got a key. It's my fiance. I'll be back. Oh, with, that, with that bucks axe. <laughs> he was killed with a bucks axe. Here in Sweden, we use the bucks axe <laughs> to chop the trees down. <laughs> This is going to be a long night. <laughs>